Hey, everybody, it's Jamie Dew. And I'm Joe Fontenot. And we want to welcome you back to the Towel and Basin podcast. And today I'm asking Jamie a question about fatherhood, mm. specifically being a dad. Love it. I'm a dad. You're a dad. Yep. There are many dads in the world. Yep. And here's, here's the thing. Okay, before I ask this question, you look out at the world and you're like, oh, they're doing it right, just people in general. And you're like, there's this whole swath of people that aren't doing it right. No matter what you're like, religious, um, political, anything opinions are, we can always sure. identify large swaths of the population. You're like, eee, you know, I have yeah. my doubts. So my question today is, how do you know when you're doing it right? Doing when you're dadding. When you're dadding right. Yeah, good question. Um, uh, let me let me start by saying this. Um, of course, there is a sense wherein we are responsible as fathers, as parents, where we are responsible for our children, right? And so I don't want to. I don't want to undercut that at all. In fact, mm-hmm. I'll speak to the kinds of things I think we should be focused on here in just a second. Um, but at the same time, there is also a sense in which I'd want to say to parents out there, you could, hypothetically, you could do everything right mm-hmm. and your child still choose not to be what he or she is supposed to be. Yeah. And we see this in the life of Jesus. I mean, John chapter 6, Jesus has fed thousands of people, and you have an army of people that are following him, and he looks at them and he says, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part with me. And from that point forward, many turned back and followed him no more. And Mm. as I've said, I think I've said this on this podcast before, I'm pretty sure Jesus was doing it right. And If we haven't said it, let's just say that. Yeah, let's, just, <laughs> let's be clear. Jesus does stuff right. And, um, and yet, despite the fact that Jesus did everything right, there are still some that just turn back and follow no more. Yeah. Right? So, parent, know this in advance. You could very well do everything, everything right, and it's still possible that your child turns and does not become what he or she's supposed to be or turns away from the Lord or whatever else. And, um, you know, that, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so what I don't want to say when I, when I try to answer that question about what I think we should be shooting at is that, man, if you do this right, your child is, it's a guaranteed formula. Sure. The child's going to turn out right because that's just not how the world works. That's not how people are. Yeah. Um, and we'd grieve when they don't do that, when, when they turn away. But, um, but we do the dead level best we can. I think, I think what parents, what we ought to be focused on is the diligence do to our children to be for them and instruct them in what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's what I would say. We need to be, if we're doing our due diligence in, on these fronts, then I think we're doing it right. Uh, I would point to four things very quickly, and then, and then if you want to, un- we want me to unpack sure. any of these, we can do that. Okay. I would say, number one, love God. Mm. We're doing our due diligence to teach our children to love God. Number two, we're doing our due diligence to teach our children to love people. I mean, these are the first two. These are the greatest mm-hmm. commandments according to Jesus. What is the teacher? What's the greatest commandment in the law? And we can talk about all the interesting backdrop of that question, but let's not. Jesus just says, quotes the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then second of all is likened unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So first, if you're doing your due diligence to teach your children to love God, if you're doing your due diligence to teach your children to love people, mm-hmm. uh, thirdly, 
I would say if you're doing your due diligence to make sure that you and your child still have and maintain an open, honest conversation with each other, mm. then I think you're you're doing your due diligence in the right ways. Like when they start doing drugs, they can come and ask you yeah. about it kind of a thing, like or, that level of... Right. When they start shutting, shutting you off, something's yeah. wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we, we've got some work to do here. Like that shouldn't be normal. Yeah, that shouldn't be normal. It should not be acceptable. Yeah. It shouldn't be something that the parent just goes, well, I don't know what's going on. No, right. if that's happening, we've got to really engage Big sign. And, yeah. and try hard. Uh, and then fourthly, um, I would say that you're doing your due diligence to make them a stable person capable of standing on their own two feet. I mean, that's sort of the mm. basic thing about parenthood, right? right. I mean, the, One the, job. <laughs> so uh, let me start there. I mean, so there, here's the reality of our parenthood, yeah. right? Children are born and they're handed to us. And at that moment, they can do absolutely nothing for themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. You know the story. Yeah. They're parents, right? right? You know what it's like in those moments. Sure. And it seems to me, simultaneous to that, they can do nothing for themselves. Also with that, you have complete authority in their life. Yeah. All right, then fast forward. They're 18 years old, and they go off to college. No, let's, let's fast forward four more years. They graduate from college. Ideally, they're standing on their own two feet now, right? Yeah. They can wipe and tie everything. <laughs> They can pay for their own cars and house and stuff, and they can get married, and they can vote, and they can die in wars. They can do all. They're completely autonomous. And at that point, the authority that you used to have, you no longer have. They're on their own two feet at that point. So notice how those two things go hand in hand. Complete helplessness equals complete authority. Complete stability equals no authority. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me the time between birth and that latter moment Mm -hmm. is a process where we are more and more teaching them to be more autonomous and simultaneously handing them more and more authority for themselves, Mm -hmm. right? So what I'm doing, therefore, during that span of, say, 22 years is I'm teaching them. And the more they learn and the more they demonstrate responsibility, the more trust I'm going to give them. So, Mm -hmm. for example, when Mm -hmm. it comes to things like in our household, this is how we do it. When it comes to things like dating, when it comes to things like when they get a cell phone, Mm -hmm. when it comes to things like when I'll let them drive in the city Mm -hmm. of New Orleans, this crazy place, (laughs) uh, it's simple. There is no arbitrary number I throw out and say, oh, it's when you're 13 or whatever. No. Driving? When can I trust you? No. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, cell phones or whatever. <laughs> it's when can I trust you? And I tell yeah. my children all the time, you know, you can argue with me if you want to when I when I lay down a rule or something like that mm-hmm. or I give you a decision. You can, you can argue with me if you want to, but here's the deal. When you demonstrate to me I can trust you, I'm going to trust you. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And until then, you, the answer is no. So it's almost like there's this preemptive, or maybe not preemptive, but like preparation so that you're looking way ahead. That's right. That's right. So you're like, I'm going to trust you in this little thing so that one day I can know if I should trust you in this right. bigger thing, a.k.a. Yeah. a car. That's right. And so, Boom. and I'm, and by the way, I, I'm communicating with them the whole time that that's mm. what I'm doing. Mm. I'm talking with them about discipline at nine, pointing them forward to 22 and saying yeah. that on that day, you get to do this all yourself. Yeah. You know, you want to do X, Y, and Z, fine, you, but you're autonomous at that point. Yeah. And today I'm passing along to you more and more responsibility and authority of your own life. Mm-hmm. So how much authority am I going to give you? Well, it depends on how much you, I can trust you. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're walking them through. And so, you know, the fourth thing I'm saying here, and we started here, what we want to do is get them to a place where they're stable and they can mm-hmm. stand on their own two feet and be responsible people 
and wise people. Mm-hmm. By wise, I mean they're not going to do things on that day that just destroy themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that's the that's the fourth thing I'd say. If, if I could add a fifth one, the world doesn't always work out this way, mm-hmm. but if I could add a fifth one, have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, life's too short to, to, to be miserable. Do yeah. things that you love to do and have fun and teach them to be um, joyful people. So I would say those the, primarily those four things, love God, love people, um, maintain open dialogue and communication, and then fourthly, try to get them to a stable spot when you hand them off. And I think if we're, if we're doing, again, you could do all four of those things exactly right, and your child may still turn away. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is grieve and pray and try to maintain the openness with them and try to maintain relationship with them. But if we're doing our due diligence towards those four things, I think we're doing it right. So let me ask you this question, um, keying off of the fourth one first, how do you weigh in your mind, so so your kids are a little bit older than mine, mine mm. are four and six, so mine mm. still have a little ways to go, but but I feel like they were just born yesterday, right. and so I'm already like being that parent. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, how do you, like what is the mindset for letting them go, letting them do their own stuff? So. Right. How do you not become an overbearing parent, but also how do you mm. not just totally free the reins? What kind of mindset do you need to have to let them begin to make their own decisions? Well, yeah, good question. And I, I suppose that's probably a little different for every parent and every child combination. I mean, the chemistry of all of us is very different. Mm-hmm. The, the the psychological makeup, emotional makeup of all of us is somewhat different. Some people are super laid back and some people are super high strung. Mm-hmm. That's true for both parents and for child. So I, I hesitate to try to say there's a, a thing to sure, do. Sure. Uh, what I try to do is I try to live every moment with them now through the lens of the future. Right mm-hmm. here's where I'm trying to get you, and I'm thinking about that in my own mind, which is shaping the way I'm encouraging them. It's also shaping the way I'm disciplining them, and it's also shaping the way I'm communicating with them. So mm-hmm. as I said a minute ago, I'm telling them that mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is get them to that place where they can do it on their own, mm-hmm. completely and totally by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, the key to them, if you really want that autonomy, if you really want your own ability to do those things, then here's what I'm going to need to see from you. And be willing to give that to them. Um, for me personally, I, I try very hard to slow down and try try to to ask them the questions of what do you want to do. Mm-hmm. And if there's certain things that they really have a passion to do that I'm not as crazy about, as long as not unethical or ungodly or something like that, well then okay, I want to listen to them and hear them out and 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 help them explore those types mm-hmm. of things. Um, and so th- those are the types of things I'm trying to do. Look at the present through the lens of the future. And I may have mentioned this before on a different podcast. I, I think about people, people think this is morbid, and I don't mean it to, but I think about my own death every yeah. single day. Yeah. Uh, not in a creepy way of, oh, like, Ooh, what, how am I going to die, or will it be scary, and things like that. No, it's more in terms of like a legacy. Yeah. There's hardly a time I'm with my kids and I'm not thinking about that moment when yeah. I will be gone. And every opportunity I will have to influence those children and to shape those children is done. Yeah. And I have no more ability to do that. And I wonder about what kind of men and women they'll be on that day. Yeah. Will they be at a place where they can be stable, where they can be secure, where they'll love Christ, where they'll love people, uh, where they'll, they'll have good relationships with people? That's what I'm aiming at. So now in this moment, mm-hmm. how do I discipline them when they just broke a window? How do I how do I respond to them when they just drop my phone in the toilet, 
or how do I how do I deal with them when they're bickering at each other? You know, I'm I'm looking at those moments through the lens of that future moment. Uh, when I know that you know the day I die or the day mom dies, they're going to need each other, mm-hmm. so they better learn how to do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's that's what I'm constantly doing is I'm looking at the future mm-hmm. uh, with a very keen eye towards the reality that. Uh, there comes a day when we're not here to help them anymore, and so we better teach them now. I feel like to some degree that's a discipline um, for a lot of people because it, the present is the present. <laughs> that's what's on the our mind. The tyranny of the present. That's right. so pressing on us. That's yeah. right. And to stop and think forward is a hard hard but probably very necessary thing to do. Well, think about the case. It is. Think about what you just said a minute ago. Your, your kids are, you said, four and six? Four and six. Four and six, and you feel like it's just... Well, indeed, it was just yesterday. But here's the thing. I mean, before they leave your home, let's imagine it goes the normal way, where yeah. they go through high school and then they go off to college. That's roughly 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. So you're six years, six-year-old, you got 12 more years with them. Yeah. You know, I've got 12-year-olds and 9-year-olds as we talk here on this podcast today. For my 12-year-olds, I've got five to six more years with them in the house. That's it. So my season to influence them, to press in on them on some things. It's two-thirds of the way done. It's two-thirds <laughs> of the way done, and I'm going, holy I feel moly. like it's probably exponential. Those last That's few years right. are going to go faster. That's right. So yeah. now I've really, 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 really got to be focused mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, let's add a presidency to the to your life. And so <laughs> you got this. We've got to be, <laughs> we've got to be as a family, Tara and I especially, we've yeah. got to be especially deliberate to, to protect that time. And so I... You know, I, I think about that when I'm accepting preaching assignments yeah. and things like that. I suspect that I will vastly increase the speaking uh, agreements and assignments mm-hmm. that I take after they're out of the house. Yeah. But for this next season of life, I uh, probably need to keep that limited yeah. because I only have six more years with them in the home. Right, right. Now, you said deliberately a minute ago. I, I want to go back to the first um, bullet point you listed, mm-hmm. um, teaching them about God. Mm. How do we effectively teach our kids about God? Is it knowledge? Is it what? Good question. Uh, there is certainly uh, a knowledge component. Um, I, I, but I don't want to say that a proper view of Christianity is just theological expression. That we're in a yeah. We're there's that there seems to be some that think that way. Hmm. To be a faithful Christian simply means you get your theology right, and um, you know Jesus taught a lot and modeled a lot about behavior too. Mm-hmm. The way we treat people, the way we interact with people, uh, that matters a lot to Christ too. Mm-hmm. So you can't gut Christianity of of godly virtue and um, of godly interaction. You just can't do it. So. Um, I think you have to do both. There, there is a sense in which our, we need to teach our children. And there's not a sense. This is absolutely necessary. You teach your children the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents, when you look at Ephesians chapter five, mm-hmm. and then going into to chapter six, though that that span there, mm-hmm. the picture that I get here is that parents, the father especially, mm-hmm. is to be the pastor of his home. Mm-hmm. Um, the fathers. It is your responsibilities first and foremost to make sure your children understand the gospel. Uh, mothers, it is your responsibility to make sure your children understand the gospel. So we absolutely have to teach them the gospel in terms of its content and mm-hmm. talk with them and apply that to their lives. It, it can't just be left abstract abstract out there. Mm-hmm. 
it's got to be applied to them. So, you know, all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Boom, boom, boom. All of sin, sin damns us, yet God gives us grace through Jesus Christ. Okay, apply that to you, little Johnny. Mm-hmm. You know, so what does that mean for you? Um, and help them to understand and to digest that. But then I also think over and above that, uh, you have to you have to show your children and teach your children to have affections for God. Mm-hmm. Um, and to delight in God. What well, what I don't want to do as a father is to just, you know, teach my children that Christians pray, read their Bible, share their faith in these formulaic ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think they need to see in us is that Dad genuinely loves God and has a tender heart for Christ. Mm-hmm. Mom has a, a genuine love and tender heart for Christ. Um, and so, again, you could do all that stuff right, and your mm-hmm. children choose not to, to do that. Sure. But teach them the gospel, show them the gospel, encourage them in the gospel. And while you have them in your home and you have the authority, mm-hmm. you, make it a, you make it part of your, your family life, that yeah. you live Christian lives. And so in our home, you know, it's not just that we take them to church. It's that we deliberately have conversations with our children about about Christ and about the gospel. All four of ours have expressed faith in Christ and and um, and made decisions for Him. And all four have been baptized. All four now are taking the Lord's Supper with us when we mm-hmm. take it. Um, we talk openly every day about something pertaining to Christianity. We do we do most of the time have night devotions. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always happen depending on what's going on. Uh, but we do have scripture reading as a family and prayer as a family and some things like that. And so, um, yeah, let them see it. I would just add maybe one other thing. Take them to the hard places. Let them be mm-hmm. involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sh- don't let it just be something mom and dad are doing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mom and dad are probably have to do more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but find those ways to include them in you know caring for the poor or doing missions or things yeah. of that nature. You know, what comes to my mind is kind of like if a parent slips and says a bad word, the face shows it, yeah. all this kind of stuff. It's an, it's unusual, and the kids immediately pick up on it, almost almost like a superpower. They mm-hmm. pick up on that word, right, and they take it because they see that it's significant. Yeah. They see that it's not treated like the other things. And, and as I'm hearing you say this, I kind of think a, a big part of – or what I hear you saying is a big part of of teaching them to love God is showing them that it's a special thing in our lives. Mm. So that's kind of an anti-example of yeah. the swearing. Yeah. But I mean... Yeah, and so mom and dad are going to make mistakes. Sure. Mom and dad are going to get it wrong sometimes. Mom and dad are going to lose their cool sometimes. Dad's going to say some things he shouldn't have said sometimes. Um, and kids pick up on the they nuances pick up on that. of what's, what's special. And so I, th- I think... <clears throat> And it surprises me that some people have a hard time with this. But mom and dad need to be able to say they're sorry. Mm. Mom and dad need to be able to demonstrate repentance too. And a lot of moms and dads are afraid to do that because, the, you know, the, the children are supposed to respect the, the parent and, you know, yeah. But if you don't, if you're not authentic, mm-hmm. if it's not real, they won't respect you. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you probably push them away. And when mm-hmm. they get later in life, you know what they're what will they remember is that mom and dad were all about this Christianity thing, but then they saw all these times when you weren't authentic, and you did nothing about it. Right. And that's going to cause questions. And so when mom and dad can come back and say, "Man, I'm I'm really sorry." 
which is, that I did that. Which is essentially the message of the gospel. I'm broken and I need someone to fix me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if we're teaching them the gospel and we never show them the side, not, yeah. not to say that we should show them the side, but right. when things happen. Yeah, you're letting them see that the gospel is still being I'm, worked out in right. me. I'm broken too. And I think that's especially true the older they get. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're seven or they're five or something, maybe they don't fully grasp everything. Man, but when they're 17 and you have an interaction with your child and it does not go well and you did not handle mm-hmm. it the way you should have, you need to circle back on that. Yeah. When they're 25, you need to circle back on that. Yeah. And that, by the way, is part of that third point I was talking about, mm-hmm. the open dialogue mm-hmm. and communication. If you're not doing that, then that's just going to stifle that. Yeah. And if you're stifling that, if you're, if you're letting your open communication dialogue die with your child, that child is just going to go to someone else, whether that's a friend, whether that's a mentor, whether that's a school teacher or a professor. You're letting someone else disciple your child at that point. Yeah. Yeah. For good or bad. And the whole point, uh, it seems to me, of parenthood is that yeah. this is really just a form of discipleship. Yeah. Per God's design. All right. Well, that makes sense. Hey, everybody. This is Jamie and Joe again. If you like this podcast, would you leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts? That helps other people find it. And if you have any questions, we'd love to hear about them. Just go to jamiedew.com slash questions and send them in that way. And we'll take a look at the most frequently asked questions and give them a shot.